0: Episode 9 of the Self Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, creativity, social media, feminism, and of course, self care. We're putting women at the center of our media and behind the creation of it. And today's episode features my friend Anita who is an entrepreneur in the wellness space. As a yoga teacher, she co-founded Moment Meditation, the first modern meditation studio in Canada, and is the creator behind Betty, daily live meditations from your phone. She's a multifaceted creative powerhouse, and as a first-generation Chinese-Canadian, Anita recently launched a photo project called Where Are You Really From?, showcasing and empowering multicultural women while raising awareness for those who might never have been on the receiving end of that question. Anita currently lives in Vancouver, Canada. But before we get into the interview, I want to talk about our podcast partner, Lisa. This weekend, my friend Christina is staying over and literally the first thing she said when she sat on my bed was, oh my gosh, this mattress is actually so comfy. (laughs) I'm telling you, memory foam is no joke, and on top of that, for every 10 mattresses sold, Lisa donates one to someone in need. You can get $100 off your Lisa mattress with the code selfcare at Lisa.com. That's L-E-E-S-A.com. Now let's get into the episode. Anita, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You have done and continue to do so much. And I feel like every time we talk, you have a new project on the go. Do you ever sleep?
1: Sometimes, you know, like I take really long blinks. I'm <laughs> totally joking. But um, yeah, no, self-care is just as important for me to get everything done. Like it's It's so important to do self-care in order for me to actually get everything else done like step one.
0: Mm, yes, I love that. Well, let's uh-huh. start with you and where you were five years ago. And maybe how did you get to where you are now as both a person and a creative entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. Um, so five years ago, I was not in a good place emotionally. I think that was actually probably the lowest of my lows. I mean, that's kind of where the story begins so it's perfect that you said five years. I was just finishing university. I was living abroad. I had undiagnosed depression, suicidal ideation, just broke up with two boyfriends back-to-back essentially, and like super in debt. So I think that was, you can probably say that was like the lowest of the low, but then over the course of the last five years, I've learned so much in terms of, like, self-development, self-care, self-growth. In experiencing that, like, I'm a big believer that, like, things happen for a reason. And that might just be people trying to rationalize, but I do think things happen for a reason. And if it wasn't for that situation, if it wasn't for the struggle with mental health, I, I wouldn't have found my way towards meditation. I wouldn't have fallen so hard for it in as a tool for mental, well, uh, mental health, and mon- mental well-being, and I wouldn't be teaching and running the businesses that I run today. So it really, like, it really did shape who I was.
0: And you know, you've done a lot, kind of, in the meditation and wellness space, from Moment Meditation to Betty now when I think of meditation, I actually think of you because a lot of my like first meditation experiences were either with moment or kind of just related to you in some way. Um, how did you get into meditation?
1: So like I mentioned, I was really, really struggling at the time. And it's interesting because I just talked to somebody yesterday, um, about that time in my life, because she was struggling with a friend who was going through something similar. And like I consider myself pretty self aware, but it's interesting how when you're in the depths of um, mental illness, you don't really see it for yourself until somebody else calls you on it. So um, it took a few people kind of calling me out on it and like encouraging me to go and seek help. That I found a therapist, and then from there I learned how to meditate through her and use that as a tool to realize that like the thoughts I were having weren't defining, they didn't need to define my reality and like that was the biggest game-changer and it was so simple, it was just a mindfulness-based meditation, what we all kind of experience in our Meditations 101 class, Um, but it really like shifted everything for me. So I didn't actually, like I was teaching yoga at the time, but I didn't meditate and I didn't learn how to meditate through yoga, that wasn't what sparked the passion, it was like that very simple, almost clinical approach to meditation.
0: Did meditation come naturally to you? Which is maybe a weird question, but <laughs> like when I I remember kind of trying to meditate without having ever gone to a class or done anything that was really guided and kind of my first experiences with meditation, I was like, ugh, I don't get this. It's, it's mm-hmm. not like happening for me. Um, what was your first kind of experiences with meditation like?
1: I wish I could say that it was like, that it... That it was what I think a lot of people experience where it's like, oh, this is not like this isn't happening for me. Um, but I think at that time in my life, I was so desperate for for something, for some sort of salvation, for something to work that I even if it was a struggle, I stuck with it because I'm like, there is no way that I am because I grew up a perfectionist, super type A personality, like top of the class, whatever. And I was like, there's no way I'm letting this mental illness beat me. And so I was just so determined, which sounds kind of funny, but I was so determined to to meditate and to meditate often. That experience that you described, the like, this is too slow. It's not for me. was what I felt when I first did yoga for sure. And maybe it was like, having experienced that and like I was kind of more primed or in the headspace for meditation, who knows, but that's my theory.
0: That's interesting actually. What inspired you to start Betty?
1: Um, A few things really. I mean, the first thing that I thought of was what I hear really often through friends and people that I see like outside of my work life and it's that like they know meditation is good for them but they just can't afford to go to a studio they don't have time like there's so many different reasons and these are some of my like really really close friends too and like they know how much meditation means to me they know how important it is but then we still don't find the time to do it and like this could be any kind of self-care really right like we know how important it is to take our vitamins and like how many of us do that every day. So, um, I really created it as like a simple way to really connect with people on a platform that they're already using as a means to make meditation a thing. Like my, I always joke that I want to make meditation cool. So however we can do it, like fun video shoots, photo shoots, like with Betty, there's a bit of an incentive with, um, Points and you rack up points the more you meditate, the more points you get, and you can redeem them for other things later on. So yeah, the more interesting and fun and engaging it can be, the better. So that I've really just took it from like a playful, playful approach.
0: And it shows in all the branding (laughs) that you do, like when you sent me over the website, and if you guys haven't already looked at the website, I'll link it in the episode show notes. It is cool, like so cool, (laughs) Uh Um, but also what I love is kind of what you just mentioned around making it simple and accessible, and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, myself included, see meditation or have seen meditation in the past as something that's intimidating, similar along the lines of like yoga culture, like almost a middle, upper class, quote-unquote, self-care practice Mm -hmm. that... I know I personally had no clue where to start with meditation until we literally did that partnership last year, Mm -hmm. that group meditation class, which was like my first ever guided meditation and my first time really understanding how powerful it could be. So you basically hooked me, Uh (laughs) Um, but as a woman of color and as someone who has struggled with mental illness, I'm curious how your views of meditation and the culture around self-care have changed since you got into this world.
1: Well, I think you hit a really, really good point in that wellness is very white. (laughs) It is a very white space and I didn't even really notice until this last year and a half where i allowed myself to think that thought being a woman of color and only recently really recognizing that like oh i am a woman of color which again sounds silly but something that i didn't think i could call myself until recently being a woman of color you don't there's so much like internalized racism and oppression that happens that like i was in the wellness world for four years working as a yoga meditation teacher and business owner and i never really like looked around me to see like oh everyone here is that kind of it's that it has that like luxury feel to it I think you were talking like oh it just it's like this like self-care thing where mm. you go and you pay like a giant or like a, a huge amount of money for a membership and so on and so forth so in discovering that it's really shaped how I want to move forwards in the future and and how I would like to frame meditation in the future or, in my work right now and that it is for everyone and it doesn't have to be like a $180 membership a month. And it can be as simple as that.
0: Yeah. And you, you touched briefly on, on this as your experience as a woman of color, but I also want to talk about your latest series titled Where Are You Really From? Because I think it was such a powerful showcase of such a simple question that most white passing people don't think twice about. Um, so I'd love if you could explain kind of the concept behind that series.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do, mostly because I was starting to get into conversation with other women of color. And like I mentioned, it's almost as if the blinders came off in the last year or two. And I was like, okay, I'm a woman of color. Didn't know I could call myself that. And like, now let's see how everybody else is feeling and doing and, um, I recognize that I struggled with a lot of anger and after realizing that, like, oh my gosh, this is still a thing, you know? You see posters about racism in school hallways when you're a child, and you just think that, like, that's not a Canadian thing. It's not an issue that we have. But then you look at, like, how we treat Indigenous people um, or First Nations in Canada, and that's, like, absolutely insane. It's so... It's so, it's, it yeah, not even going to go into it. But anyway, the project stems from this very simple question of where are you really from? Um, because it's something that so many people of color are asked. And it's this idea that, like, you can't possibly be from here because you don't look like you are from here. And it's it's as simple as that. And it was just an exploration of these different women and their stories. And I wanted to showcase that, like, we're not we're not other, you know, like there, there's a lot of, um, well, there isn't a lot of representation of women of color in the media. And if there is, it's usually tokenized. And so I wanted women of color to be able to have a narrative of their own, that they're not just a token character in a white man or woman story, but they have their own stories and they too are of value. And it can be something as mundane as like dating and body hair and tweezing our eyebrows to something more serious like racism in the workplace
0: was there a moment or a particular story in the series that really stood out to you
1: i think the biggest the biggest thing that stood out to me was said by the last girl I photographed and she is darker skin and she was explaining how like this question where are you from where are you really from has really started to annoy her in the last few years because whatever she says people aren't satisfied and she now she'll just kind of answer like just enough so they'll say like where are you from and like I'm from Vancouver but like okay where are you where are your parents from it's like they're from here and just like not giving any further information because in her words, what she said was, I want you to to ask me what you're really asking me. And what you're really asking me is, you have dark skin. Why is that? And that just like really hit it home for me. Because I'm like, yeah, like getting people to own up to, to the fact that they're asking these ridiculously uncomfortable questions. Wow. And it, it can seem so, yeah, it just, it really hit it home for me. Mm,
0: I just got goosebumps as you were saying <laughs> that. In the project, you talked about your own privileges as well, you know, being light-skinned, well-educated, and cisgender. And I think a lot of women, um, myself included, struggle with both living in a sexist world and yet still holding some privileges over others, over other women. Women of color experience this on kind of another level, how have these different parts of your identity affected your journey, not only as a woman, but as a female entrepreneur?
1: Whew. Good question. Uh, <laughs> I do. I think you're absolutely right that we all have different levels of privilege. Um, and it's not just like white males have like the most privilege and everybody else is suffering. Cause we all have different levels um, to which we benefit from the system and to which we oppress others. And I, just, I think just being conscious of that and mindful of that is a huge, huge step, and I know that like since realizing that myself, just in the work that I do, I try and make as much of a difference as I can, so that could be partnering with other people of color or women or other minority groups um, to try and connect and collaborate. Because the easy thing to do would be to go to somebody who's already established. And if they're already already established, they probably have a lot of privilege already. And other ways that I've like really become conscious of it is through representation. So I do this thing where if I'm looking at a new brand and I kind of scroll through their like top, their first nine or their first 12 photos, and if there's not a single person of color or someone who is like, visibly queer or uh, or is not able-bodied like just somebody who is not a minority um, I it kind of raises a flag for me and I'm like do I really want to follow this brand and listen to their story if they're not telling the stories of everybody so a lot of um, a lot of just awareness and consciousness since recognizing it
0: that's interesting and I'm also kind of curious about something that you've touched on in tidbits over this conversation which is you're coming to terms with calling yourself a woman of color and kind of why you felt maybe uncomfortable with that previously
1: well i think the biggest reason is when we see we get a lot of american media and so in the states the conversation has always been about black versus white and so I always thought, like, I had to have darker skin in order to be a woman of color. And in Vancouver, where I live, it's people will often say it's, you know, it's so multicultural because we do have a really large immigrant population and especially a really large, like, East Asian immigrant population. So technically, in certain parts of the, certain pockets of the city, Asian people are not minorities. With that said, it doesn't mean that, like suddenly, because there are a lot of Asian people around, like suddenly they're the majority and they hold all the power. And, you know, like racism still exists because it's it's not so much about the numbers, but it's about like the history and, and the way the system is set up to like favor certain people over others. So it took a friend saying it to me that I made me realize like, oh, okay, I guess I can wear that label as well. And it was just such an interesting experience.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about your creative work. I'm continually fascinated by all the creative work that you do, and particularly because you don't seem confined to a box. Um, You have have a multitude of passions and skills, and you really dabble in a bit of everything, which I think is kind of the dream for some people. And I think a lot of people look to that and they're like, oh, how do I how can I do that? So I'm curious, how do you balance it all? And maybe what are your tips for other women who might want to branch out, but maybe feel a little bit limited by a title or by what they should be?
1: I totally agree that we often pigeonhole ourselves into really neat, you know, 140 character titles, because it's what we see. And so the thought of, like, okay, calling myself an artist when that's not what I was trained to do, for example, would feel very daunting. And a tip, I would say, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not so much a tip. It's kind of just, like, just do it. Just try it out. And if you're scared to, like, tell people about it, you can do it in secret. But I really, really do believe in finding and cultivating things that make you happy and uh, doing those things, and uh, oftentimes they are creative projects because people are designed to be creative beings. And it could be something as simple as like cooking, knitting, or maybe it's painting, photography, but I, I do feel that everybody has something that makes their heart sing.
0: This is something that kind of just came to my mind, but you know, as a yoga teacher and somebody who like guides meditation to things that are self-care for a lot of people, but for you it's also work. Does it ever not feel like self-care? Or are you basically like always doing self-care because you're teaching these things?
1: Oh, such a good question. Uh the truth is it's it it can definitely feel like work. And that whole saying of like do something you love because you'll never work a day in your life, I call like bullshit on that because (laughs) eventually like things are still work and the intention is not to make it not feel like work but to recognize the value that that work is creating in the world and as long as you have that like why and that value then you like you'll keep going because yes definitely some days i'm like super tired i don't want to teach another class but there's people you like buck up and you show up
0: (laughs) So being kind of the busy bee that you are, how do you fit self-care into your daily life? And maybe what does that self-care look like for you outside of kind of the meditation and yoga things that you do?
1: Well, definitely meditation is one of the top things for self-care. Another thing for self-care that I do is journaling. And it's not like I sit down and write for half an hour necessarily, but it's just jotting things down as they come up throughout the day. The other like biggest self-care tip that I discovered in the last few years is so simple and I think maybe we talked about this before in the past but it's simply just giving myself time. Giving myself time and reasonable expectations um, so that I'm not rushing because I found that when I rushed that was when I would be the worst possible version of myself, the most flustered, the most stressed. And so if I could cut out rushing, amazing. Like I'm a way nicer, happier person. I feel more grounded and I feel more certain of myself.
0: Mm, I love that. And I am with you. I hate the feeling of being rushed. It just Mm -hmm. like causes so much anxiety in me, which is a total mental thing. Like we rush ourselves and we make ourselves feel busier than we need to a lot of times, I think, and kind of letting my mind rest and just like focus on whatever I'm doing in that moment, whether it's, you know, focusing on emails or focusing on the show I'm watching or not letting my mind race and think, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. It just feels so much better.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm. You can cut this out if you want, but fun fact: my business partner once told me this story that some researchers had done because they wanted to see if um, religious people were nicer than people who were not religious. So they took a group who went to church and like did the studying and everything on a Sunday, and then they told that group of people, <coughs> excuse me, they told that group of people to go somewhere else afterwards to like do the second part of the. The test or the exam or the the research study. And they did the same thing with people who were not religious. They like did something else on a Sunday and then they went to the second point of the study. And half of the group for both sides uh, would encounter someone who was asking for directions or begging for money, and then the other half didn't. And they also had some variables for like timing. And essentially what came about is that it didn't matter whether someone was religious or not. What mattered whether or not they stopped for the person and was kind to them was whether or not they were in a rush. So like that, when she told me that, I was like, that makes so much sense. Mm. You can feel that out, but I was just like, fun
0: fact. That's so interesting. Can I keep it in? Is it okay yeah, if I keep it in? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, that's a cool little anecdote. I like that. Mm-hmm. Before we get into like the final quick round of questions, I want to ask what your maybe morning... And/or evening routine looks like because I'm just personally kind of fascinated by how people incorporate like certain rituals into their day.
1: Well, right now my morning routine is in the process of shifting with Betty starting in May. So for the longest time, my morning routine was like very short. I had to be out of the house in like 15-20 minutes. Again, that idea of rushing. Um, the last few months, it's been really. Really slow, like I'll wake up and then, like, take my time to make the bed, drink water, water the plants, and then just plug away at work from home. And even with Betty, it's kind of the same thing like, wake up, brush teeth, toiletries, that kind of stuff, and then uh, teach the Betty class and then continue just kind of like getting my morning started. I like it slow. (laughs) And then, I don't know if there's an evening routine, usually it's an opportunity to just kind of connect and catch up with my partner and because I live with him so we'll just like talk about our day we try and end things off like okay what are what are three things that went well today um just to make ourselves end things on a high note and then like a little bit of reading and then bedtime pretty chill love it
0: but at the end of every podcast i like to finish with a fun quick fire round where you can answer with one word or a sentence or a couple of sentences are you ready for it
1: yes ready okay.
0: <laughs> what is your zodiac sign
1: libra but scorpio rising
0: coffee or tea tea what's your favorite podcast right now
1: Ooh, uh, call your girlfriend
0: who is an artist or an entrepreneur that you admire
1: Oh, um, Sophia Amor- Amoroso, Amorosa, the girl boss.
0: She's awesome. Girl. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book?
1: Um. Oh, it changes all the time.
0: What's the last book that you read, or one that you're currently reading?
1: One that I read recently that I really liked is called "A Tale for Time Being." it's a fiction book. I'm really into fiction these days because, oh, that's another way I self-care with myself. That's not a full (laughs) sentence. Um, But that's another tool for self-care is like getting lost in a fiction book rather than trying to constantly improve my life with self-improvement non-fiction, which Mm -hmm. was my life for a long time.
0: Yeah, I love fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does your perfect self-care Sunday look like?
1: Waking up slow, brunch with girlfriends, Uh, maybe going for a bike ride because it's sunny and then like dinner with my family and seeing my baby niece and then cuddles on the couch with my partner afterwards
0: love it thank you so much I really appreciate you sharing your story and your insights
1: yeah absolute pleasure and thanks for having me
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. You can follow Anita on Instagram at I-N-E-E-E-D-A. Learn more and sign up for Betty at InBedWithBetty.com. And finally, you can check out her latest series, Where Are You Really From, at WhereAreYouReallyFrom.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe on iTunes. You can get episode recaps at SelfCareSunday.co. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.